everyone, and welcome to the King Kong Minute Podcast, the show where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 2005 film King Kong one minute at a time. I'm Terry. And I'm Steven. And today we're going to be talking about minute number one. This minute starts with a blank black screen and ends with a shot of Central Park Zoo. Yeah. In 1933, specifically. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Height of the Great Depression. Here we go. Great Depression. So um, let's start with the beginning of the minute, in my personal opinion. Um, Also, actually, hold on. Before we, like, do an official send-off, I'm, like, I'm really finally excited to be here i've been we've been planning this for months this is like i'm so excited i am pumped for this (laughs) okay i should have mentioned this in episode zero but i was a dummy and i blanked out and i forgot but uh, 2005 peter jackson's king kong is one of my favorite melodramatic action adventure films like up there with sky captain in the world of tomorrow oh yes um but we might we might have to cover that one if no one else has covered that yet at some point in the future. Um, the, it, this is some good stuff, and I am excited. Let's dive in. This is going to be just fabulous. Um, even though we're we're listening here, um, you know, I have a King Kong T-shirt on right now. Actually, one that I personally designed. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but I was showing Terry my shirt. Um, Basically, hey, it's on my tea public store. Shameless plug here. Uh, it's <laughs> sponsored, <laughs> exactly. But it's um, it's basically the Rancor from the Star Wars films. And uh, spoilers for those who haven't watched it yet, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, Terry. <laughs> spoilers, but anyway, uh, it's the it's Rancor okay. on top of the Empire State Building, and instead of biplanes, it's the X wings circling around it. So, yeah, uh, I wore so, it in honor of our our official christening christening yes christening and i am so sorry that i was not able to send this to my co-host but i have king kong cola oh yeah i will just have to save this until either the halfway point or the end there we go that's a good one the end you know eight months from now (laughs) it'll fly by i know it will oh man it's gonna be it's gonna be fun so what do you say we uh we talk about the actual minute what do we got going on in this movie Okay. Um, man, I'm really resisting the cinema sense thing of like this many seconds of like opening logos, but honestly, <laughs> it's not even that bad. It's really not. I was I was um when I first started talking to you about this, you're like obviously excluding opening credits and stuff. I was like, "No, no, we can do the opening credits." And then I watched it. It was like, "Oh, it's like less than 40 seconds." Okay. Well, yeah. It's not too bad. Mhm. I think Jackson must have been like, "Okay, I am lucky to have gotten this far with this. I have to strip for time here. Yeah. Cannot waste it. Cannot waste with elaborate opening credits. Yep. It's a King Kong movie. You know why you're here. <laughs> you are here to see giant monkey. <laughs> monkey. <laughs> monkey. Oh, man. Uh, so, yes, the Universal uh, logo itself is exactly 23 seconds long. Um <laughs> And I was going to go through and do the research of how many times it's changed throughout the years and upgraded, but frankly, um, I didn't. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is an iconic logo. I think mm-hmm. it's a great logo. I would, um, I I'll, okay. So this is going to come up a lot in this podcast, but I think of Jurassic Park when I see that logo. It's the first uh-huh. thing I think of. Um, the old '90s opening was a little less graceful and CG, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's what I think of. I think of Jurassic Park when I see the Universal logo. <laughs> Um, 
Oh man, I'm just especially like the older, fuzzier Universal logo. Yeah. Um, I like that's the one that I more immediately associate with this brand of adventure film. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Get that film grain and all that '90s stuff. Mm-hmm. Here we are talking about the Universal logo that isn't showing up in this movie, but that's okay. <laughs> we that's have a nice the new shiny of this. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right. Um. Obviously, underneath that beautiful work by James Newton Howard. Ugh. Um, considering that he was brought in so late into the project, um, for reference, for anyone who doesn't know, I think it was only like two months mm-hmm. before, yep. I, what was it, production was finished? Um, yes. Yeah, he had two months before, the, uh, before release, yep. basically, to mm-hmm. score and put it in the film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like only like with two months left to go, in um, Howard was or sorry, yeah, Howard was brought in in place of composer Howard Shore, who had previously mm-hmm. worked with Jackson on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Exactly, and uh, as we will see way later, uh, Howard Shore actually had a cameo in the film, and yes. they left the cameo in despite the fact that he didn't uh, he mm-hmm. didn't score the film. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. We'll get uh, there when we get there, yeah. Do you know anything else by uh, James Newton Howard? Um, the score that immediately jumps to mind um, for me is the Treasure Planet score. Oh, um, my goodness. He did Treasure Planet. I've only seen yeah. Treasure Planet once. I loved oh, it, though. Oh, man, that is criminal, dude, considering how <laughs> close we are. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, no. I, come on, it's on Disney+. Plus. We can definitely watch that together. That is That's That true. movie is, like, central to my childhood, along with Atlantis and yep. Iron Giant, but that's a rabbit hole <laughs> which i believe all three of those my first time watching was with you actually yep, probably i know iron giant and a uh, treasure planet where i think i think the atlantis was as well i'm good at educating um, you in animation history <laughs> but anyway um, yeah my my favorite Jim, james newton howard score is um the village actually Oh yeah, I forgot that. Was um, the violin score in, uh, especially the track "The Gravel Road." If if you haven't, okay, if you have not listened to that score aside from the movie, just outside, you gotta listen listen to "The Gravel Road" um, from the Village. It is just a beautiful track, and I I had it as my alarm for a while. Like I would wake up to that because it was just nice. it's very very very. It's a good track. James Newton Howard has a very similar feel to a lot of his stuff, so he's very good. Oh dang. Okay, yeah, man, just going down, like, just the Wikipedia, like, mm-hmm. blurb, intro blurb on his thing, um, Pretty Woman, The Fugitive, Space Jam, mm-hmm. 2003's Peter Pan, um, 2008's Dark Knight, he worked with Hans Zimmer on that. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. He also did Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. Oh, um, I didn't know that. He has collaborated ex- extensively with M. Night Shyamalan, having scored eight of Shyamalan's films since The Sixth Sense, so Village being one of those. Yeah. Um... And all of Lawrence's films since I Am Legend. So, yeah, like Howard is just one of those people that has sort of composed the music that most of us have heard through most of our lives with movies, even if we weren't really aware of them. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those background ones that he's not your John Williams, he's not your Hans Zimmer, but he still does a whole lot of things that you didn't realize he did. Mm-hmm. I would also put um, people like Harry Gregson Williams in that category, mm-hmm. or um, James Horner. Yes. Avatar. So yes, exactly, and Titanic. James mm-hmm. Horner was incredible. So, all right. Not that we're uh, off the rails yet. No, <laughs> we'll get. But that no, one. we're. Hey, we're, I, this is pretty good. We're focusing on Howard. We're talking about his other works. 
That's true. Considering we don't all have a lot of stuff to pick apart here. <laughs> well, that's what you think. <laughs> oh, well, I have, show me I up. have notes. All right, sure. So the font that shows up, the um, the Universal Productions, the Wingnut Films, that font. I tried to look up. So what is this font? The closest you could get is uh, Jazz Fest NF Regular. It's not ideal, but uh, I would say it's passable for uh, if you're doing if your child has a King Kong themed birthday party, you <laughs> can pass it as flyers like invitations. You can use that, but that's that's about the best you're gonna get. Uh, I'm assuming it's some kind of custom font, but yeah, couldn't find like an a, a, like ideal match. Um, yeah, so that's the font being used. Um, as for the next thing we see, so we have Universal Pictures or I'm sorry, Universal whatever it says. Um, mm-hmm. The next thing is Wingnut Films, which is uh, Peter Jackson's film company, basically. It's kind of like Bad Robot is J.J. Abrams, um, which apparently this was founded on Valentine's Day in 1987 as a f- indie film company. And then, uh, I guess, became an incorporated company on March 17th of 2003. And yeah, involved with Peter Jackson's work. So that's what Wingnut Films is, because I was curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, all right, so immediately after opening credits, we get the, uh, oh, sorry, we get the bomb, 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 bomb. As we That's see the good crap. Kong. The good crap. It's in the in our show's intro. Um, you get a monkey, and I have a question for you. Do you know what kind of monkey that is? You know, now that you ask, I probably <laughs> should have looked up the uh, genus and species of each of these monkeys. That probably would have been a good idea, but sadly... I did not do the reading. <laughs> no worries. I did. So so here we go. I, I looked up. Um, I wanted to know what was this. So I started looking up the intro or information to the intro to this movie. Um, that monkey is listed in the King Kong wiki as a spider monkey. Here's the problem. I uh, Google imaged you know pictures of spider monkeys. And um, I couldn't find a single one that looked anything like that. However, when you look up Gibbons... It kind of look. It looks more like a gibbon than it is a spider monkey. I I actually would disagree with the King Kong wiki. I think it might be wrong here. I think it's actually a gibbon. However, no, need... I'm not a primatologist, so <laughs> right. But you know, do a little more digging. Hey, maybe you need to correct it. Maybe, maybe. Um, but what's funny here is um, what's funny about gibbons. <clears throat> firstly, they swing by their arms from tree to tree, which is something that apes do, not monkeys. Mm. Uh, so it's just kind of funny that, like, this is the one that's an ape, mm. and uh, they are monogamous and only live with, I think the exact words it says, like, they have one mate until they die. So the first yeah. first primate we see is ape-like and only mates till it dies monogamously. <laughs> no, hmm. I really, I really <laughs> hope that was intentional. And they so weren't too. just like, hey, this monkey will do. Um, and then immediately after the gibbon we get a uh, what is a cotton top tamarind Mm. the one with the mullet nice the mullet monkey Uh, I didn't look up any information about them because I was like "Eh, I wasted all my energy on the gibbon but (laughs) um, and then right after that we get the final shot of our minute here a wide shot of Central Park Zoo have you ever been there? yeah Um, yes so I grew up on the north side of New York City um I spent my entire life just sort of bouncing around like Westchester County, X-Men shout out, Um, (laughs) and New York City proper. Uh, My dad used to work in the federal district of Manhattan, towards on the south tip of the central island of the five boroughs. 
And yeah, I've spent a considerable amount of time both in and around Central Park. The zoo is pretty iconic. The park itself is just a must-do, basically, for any tourist or New Yorker. Huh. Um, and I think I, I kind of want to say that I was really drawn towards King Kong in general because, I mean, I grew up in New York. Anything that represents, you know, home city, home state, um, I really like. It's why Spidey remains my favorite Marvel <laughs> superhero. Um, and and he's the best. Oh, so. yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, come at us. That's right. Um, but anyway, I, I, I think just especially focusing on this particular form of Central Park Zoo, this particular point in time, the 1933, the height of the Great Depression, mm-hmm. this is a New York City unlike any other point in its history. Right. This is a city that is reeling from the financial crash of the stock market mm-hmm. and with increasing numbers of people, like an exponentially increasing number of people year to year that were unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, at the height of the Great Depression, I believe it was one third of Americans were unemployed. Um, I don't remember the exact statistic in New York City proper, but I know it was even greater than that. It was over a million people out of wow. I, in a city of roughly like seven billion. Um, that were unemployed and it was just this immediate squalor that was in your face constantly present and you know i really like the transition from central park zoo into the city it's this really stark transition from at first we're seeing natural wildlife right on their level into this unnatural and squalid urban poverty because as the camera pans out you can see the shanty towns that dot uh, the rest of Central Park and with Fifth Avenue so nearby. It's this Mm -hmm. really harsh contrast between the literal height of luxury in Mm -hmm. Manhattan, one of the most opulent and prominent cities in the world, and just this absolute desolate poverty. Yeah. Um, I've I've definitely got more on depression stuff for tomorrow. Well, more on uh, that era stuff for mm -hmm. tomorrow. Because at this, we just kind of see a little bit. We see the shantytown in the background mm-hmm. but then that's where the minute ends so right i am i do have a lot more for tomorrow but yeah no it is definitely like you have it's dark and dingy you even get that in the color grading of the of the shot where it's very like it's gray it's a lot the color of gray, is not a lot of color like like the the the, the uh, motif is mud puddle <laughs> their color palette was <laughs> uh, yeah that was it mud puddle no that was yep. too good i can't yep. i can't top that <laughs> of course you can't um but you can immediately tell the tonal shift of the movie here. Like, it's almost inherent that beauty and the right way of things is present in nature, not in this unnatural urban sprawl. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that'll also tie in really well to a certain favorite part of my movie uh, coming up um, between uh, Hayes and Jimmy when they first arrive at the island. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Oh, that'll more on that later. Spoilers. We'll come back to that. Yeah, um, <laughs> as River Song would say. Yes. Also, you can just <laughs> sort of observe, like, and you you have a pretty clear parallel here. These animals are imprisoned in the squalid zoo, and mm-hmm. so is most of New York. In mm-hmm. like, they're imprisoned in this city, struggling through the depression. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, what are the odds that Peter Jackson, one of the you know most successful filmmakers at this time, knew what he was doing? 
no it was yeah very well done a lot of symbolism um which you know for, i feel like this movie gets lost a lot in in just in pu- the public eye like this movie came out mm-hmm. in 2005 was a pretty big deal then i think narnia came out and blew it out of the water financially and just no one really talks about this movie anymore so um I'm glad we're going to, but yeah. I think people just think of it as a, uh, a popcorn flick with monsters and fights and stuff. And like, it's actually, I mean, it's, you get that much symbolism in the first minute. We are 60 seconds in and we've come across um, the ape gibbon, you mm-hmm. know, mating for life till it dies. And then you have uh, already animals in cages you get, which then translates to, of course, the people in New York being in cages and the only place you can be <clears throat> wild, adventurous and free, you know, anyway. So mm-hmm. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll exactly. Get there. So well, it, exactly. Like, in the first minute, we've come across a lot of deeper themes than than the popcorn flicks of, mm-hmm. you know, 2021, for example. <laughs> yeah. It's been rough. Um, it's been rough. No, I, I think it, the movie also gets written off a lot as being just pretty sappy when it comes mm-hmm. down to it. But, I mean, it, it, it's a melodrama. It's yeah. an old-timey action-adventure movie, and it's stylized to basically be a fully updated version of Cooper's original film from 33, which is brought into the modern day with modern capabilities and more historical, like accuracy and faithfulness to the difficulties and struggles of the time Um, with a more updated worldview on all of the occurrences surrounding Kong. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That, that 33 film, when you watch it has a, um, highly romantic you don't touch on depression the great depression at all in that movie you only mm-hmm. get the wealthy film producer okay sorry you do get a little bit at the beginning with Anne struggling yeah but then she instantly becomes this glamorous movie star and mm-hmm. um the falls in love with the first mate gruff like and then you get on the island and everything's uh-huh. just this big adventure it's <laughs> yeah it's just funny that jackson took all those elements and still made it to feel made it feel relatable yeah. Um, with a lot of modernized, it's almost like we discovered that there was more of a world than they were showing us in 1933. And Jackson mm-hmm. was like, well, this is, this is really what it was like. Yeah. And it's just really great actually getting to see these characters fleshed out and developed oh, into yeah, fully sure. realized three-dimensional personalities. Right. So, uh, lest we steal, um, content from further minutes um was there anything else you had on minute one i'm just wondering here nope that is essentially it great uh yeah i don't think i had anything either yep so that was all my notes uh, for episode one thanks for listening everyone um yeah, thank you yeah oh hey uh terry are you able to come back tomorrow yeah i hope so <laughs> you hope so all right yeah, well, perfect then uh <laughs> uh then we will now, I keep wanting to say we will see you tomorrow, but the thing is, <laughs> this is audio. I won't be seeing anyone. You'll hear us when you hear us. You'll hear us when you hear us on another episode of King Kong, Kong Minute. Minute. Yes. He did it. He said it along with me. Little do you know, yeah, that's gotcha. actually like the Star Wars Minute guys thing. That's what they do. They say it at the same time at the end. We're just that in sync. We're just... I mean, it's crazy. All right, anyway, (laughs) we'll see y'all later um, in tomorrow's episode. Bye. Bye, everyone.